My soul is like a house, small for you to enter, but I pray you to enlarge it. It is in ruins, but I ask you to remake it. It contains much that you will not be pleased to see. This I know and do not hide. But who is to rid it of these things? There is no one but you. Augustine. I'm Taylor. And I'm Brian. Welcome to the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. everyone and welcome to the echo podcast how's it going it's going great good good yeah how are things with you busy but in a good way that is good to hear it's good to be good busy it is good to be good busy thanks everyone for joining us on our first episode of soul care but before we jump into that brian you wanted to share something yeah absolutely just to maybe kind of recap if you missed the last episode we're gonna have several episodes where we talk about Um, making sure, just kind of checking to see if our souls are healthy. Uh, One of the commitments our church has, and my wife and I have the same commitment, is that uh, we will partner and financially support uh, organizations and people and mission works that are involved in holistic care. And what that means is they're caring for the whole of the person. And so that means uh, mind, body, soul, uh, heart, um, spirit, all, all that person. We want to care for somebody because if a kid needs help academically, um, then you don't want to just, you know, offer a sandwich. You want to care for that kid academically. And so, uh, that's how Jesus cared for people. He cared for the whole of the person. And so, uh, if we're going to be good neighbors and care for the whole of other people, we also need to consider how we should care for ourselves holistically, care for our souls, all of us. That's what we're after. Definitely. And the soul is something that's going to touch on every single aspect of our life. And what we do in one area may affect our soul negatively, but then that affects other areas negatively. So we need to be careful not to isolate different parts of us, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. but recognizing that we are far more interconnected in our being uh, than we oftentimes uh, think about. Yeah, so maybe just a question for us to start thinking about as we enter this is, have I submitted my mind to the Lord? So I wanted to ask you, Taylor, what are some ways that we can kind of check ourselves? Have we submitted our mind to the Lord? And how, how can we really be discipled in, you know, in our minds intellectually? I, I think you're right to say that we need to start with the question, have I submitted my mind to Christ? We see in the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings, that Paul is really adamant that God cares about how we think. And whenever we say mind, we need to know that we're talking about uh, a person's faculty of thinking and reasoning. And one of the things that I have to address, um, I love apologetics, I love philosophy, and even a a deep love of theology, but I have to recognize that sin has touched every part of my being, including how I think. We would call that the noetic effects of sin. How does sin affect how I think and how I reason? And if sin has affected how I think and how I reason, how is that redeemed? How is that thinking uh, kind of restored? So Paul says this, uh, he, he echoes Isaiah 40, verse 13 in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when he says, but we have the mind of Christ. What does that even mean? What, what, what does that even look like? Um, 
And I'm convinced that to have the mind of Christ, uh, really, it's that we know God's plan in the world. Hmm. That doesn't mean that we have a perfect comprehension of how God works and every small detail, but it means that um, we know that God is going to glory himself, and he's going to bring glory to himself in the world. He's going to restore creation, uh, and that he's providing salvation for sinners. And looking at the life of Christ, we see that that really is the driving, if you will, idea behind the ministry of Christ, that the Son, the second person incarnate, he is coming to bring glory to God to restore creation and to save those who are lost. Yeah, uh, I really I really love Romans 8, 5 through 6 um, that addresses this. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So uh, are there some things that we can do to just kind of check ourselves and be like, is, is my mind being governed by the Holy Spirit or is it being governed by kind of the sinful flesh? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there are two questions. They're, they're broad, but they're frighteningly revealing whenever it comes to how uh, we, we think. And, and the first one is this. Um, what do we think about when we think about God? Hmm. Um, there was a—I uh, was trying to find it, and I could not find it, but there's there a prayer that says, um, when I pray to God, I empty myself of God. And the first time I heard that, it kind of threw me off, like, why that, that doesn't check well. That's, I don't like that. Um, and as I began to dig deeper into the prayer, the prayer actually encompasses, God, as I come to know you— Help me get rid of my preconceived notions, mm. my sinful imaginings of who God is. Because the point, I think, is pretty clear. Before we are Christians, we think about God in a certain way. Mm -hmm. We think about the world in a certain way, and we think about ourselves in a certain way. But when we are saved, when the Spirit, if you will, renews our mind, mm -hmm. we think differently about God the world, ourselves, and our neighbor. So the first question is, what do we think about when we think about wrong? A Christian would say, we think differently about Jesus and who he is. And in fact, Christians, we believe Jesus. And that is not only an act of trust, but it's also a, a mental practice as well. The second question that I would ask is, how do we think when we think about God? So not only what do we think, but how do we think? Um, there's been a lot of fear in our nation and in our culture at this time. And fear can be addicting, to be perfectly mm, honest, yeah. because fear can provide you an enemy. It can provide you a, a meaning, uh, something to, to, to combat and to fight oh. against. Um, and fear can be a, very much addicting, and it provides an identity. So the question is, how do we think about God, the world, ourselves, our neighbor, when we think about them? Mm -hmm. Are we thinking about them rightly? Because I think you and I would, would say, oh, non-Christians don't mm -hmm. think about God the right way because of sin. They're, they're antagonistic or they're apathetic mm -hmm. towards him. They think differently um, in, in that regard. So those are the two questions that really come to my mind. What do we think about when we think about God? And how do we think about God when we think about him? Yeah, uh, you kind of referenced Romans 12, having our minds renewed uh, by God. Um, are there some rhythms or habits 
that can really help foster that in our lives? Absolutely. There was a man uh, who, who said that there are several components um, to intellectually love our God. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, dedicate our minds to knowing him, that as we read scripture, we do it intentionally. As we talk about God, uh, we really are concerned with how we're thinking about him and what we're thinking about him. A second, um, that we should be dedicated to thinking clearly and truly about God so we don't have those false ideas about him in our mind. I would add on to this, uh, we would also love our God intellectually by rightly thinking about our neighbor that we wouldn't mm. live in fear of our neighbor as the enemy or the opposition. Um, I'm convinced that the Christian doesn't have any enemies, just neighbors, but people can make themselves our enemy. Our, our neighbors can be antagonistic sure. towards us, yeah. but we, we will refrain from that type of activity. So thinking clearly about and truly about God so we don't have any false ideas. And number three, uh, not being satisfied with having only an intellectual awareness of God his character, his attributes, and his actions, um, but that we intentionally devote our mental effort um, and, and we use our thinking to serve God mm. and to serve our neighbor, that we don't separate loving God and loving our neighbor as a physical practice, but it is also, also an intellectual practice. Mm-hmm. And the man who said these things was John Piper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not laughing at John Piper. I'm laughing at the two episodes ago. Right, whenever we did that. Yeah. My goal is, is to try to sneak that in that, as, as that, best as I can. That was excellent. Well done. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think it's easy to um, perhaps live in an ivory tower of thought and kind of theological intellectualism. Where, yeah, I, 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 where... call those, uh, I call those college graduates. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or sophomores. Yeah, whichever. Um, and... Uh, and so you divorce the intellectual thought from the hands and the heart, and we don't want to do that, but we also don't want to thus say, well, see, that guy just only thought about the intellectual part of God, so I don't want to have anything to do with the intellectual thought, right. and that's you know, equally uh, devastating. So yeah. we want to embrace both, and I, I could kind of hear it, in your voice and just in talking to you, thinking this plays out in everyday life. It really does. Because what you think about your neighbor will determine how you treat them. Yeah. How you think about God will determine how you pray to him, how you worship him, um, how you will uh, share him with others. it's, It's a huge component that we don't always address and we don't always think about. Um, Christianity is often touted as being anti-intellectual and, and my question to them is always, have you read Proverbs? Have you read Ecclesiastes? Have you dug into Job? Have you looked at the Sermon on the Mount? Because Jesus, uh, Jesus in Scripture is engaging with the minds of people and, and very much trying to get them to recognize their own faulty reasoning because of sin. And that the only way that that reasoning can ultimately be restored and redeemed uh, is, is, is through the presence of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. Um, I got a question for you. This may seem out of left field, but trust me. You ever get a song stuck in your head? Uh, yes. And you just, no matter what you do, you can't get rid of it? And I blame my kids, and a- I'm very angry at them. A- ab- absolutely. Well, ha- have you ever experienced um, a feeling or an emotion or an idea 
that you just can't shake and you just and you can't just get rid of it. Mm, yeah. So what's really cool is that in the human uh, brain, not mine, because the mind is metaphysical, the brain is physical. Um, the human brain has this really cool cell um, where thoughts are contained, and part of that cell um, has dendrites. And a dendrite is kind of the neural receptor of information and ideas, but a dendrite has a physical presence that grows the more you think about something. Mm. So if we had the science, it sounds really science fiction, but if we actually had the means, we could remove thoughts from people's minds because they're stored in in Mm -hmm. dendrites. So the reason, Brian, you can't get rid of that song is because that particular dendrite is receiving so much attention and information and you're actually feeding it, it grows in size. So you literally are growing the thought in your mind and then it is, or your brain rather, and then your mind just focuses on that and it can't get rid of it because it's taking up so much space. So I don't think Paul knew about dendrites <laughs> at the time, but, but here's what I think is interesting. Paul makes a claim. He says, we will take every thought captive. Hmm. To, to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So Paul makes a, a fascinating implication. We can't control what pops into our mind. Dendrites literally are created because of thoughts, mm-hmm. but we can control how we think about those thoughts. Yeah. Um, so the more you pray for someone, and this has been proven interestingly, the more you pray for someone and the more you train your mind to think about certain things in certain ways, the dendrites store that information so that it goes from um, having to work at it to natural impulses and to natural reactions to it. Um, So the only way you can really forget about that song is if you starve that dendrite. Yeah. The only way you can, um, the only way that you're going to be able to actually love God and love your neighbor is if you feed that thought. And if you continue to think about it and then physically practice it and then ponder how to do that and then living it out. So we talked about how the soul, it's not just one particular thing, but it's all these things that are connected and feeding each other. So when it comes to your mind, how you think about what you think about affects your soul. And Christ wants to redeem how you think. Now, again, I'm not saying that if you think about something, because I was raised that if you thought about something sinful, that's a sin. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh gosh, I thought about that. Yeah. Fill in the blank. I'm a terrible person. And the reality is, no, no, we, 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 we cannot often control what we think about, mm-hmm. but we can control how we think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Let's lace this up for just a second and, and maybe just try to take a run with it down the down the track that we're living in, uh, there, we, we've talked about there's so much fear or anger right now politically um, uh, that what we would do if we're applying this is, okay, my candidate lost. Let me just pause and think, who's God? What do I think about God? Is God still in control? Yep. Um, my candidate won. What do I think about God? Yeah. Uh, d- does that mean everything's going to be fine with the church because a candidate won, uh, or is this going to be good for for uh, civilization because a candidate won? Or I mean, what do I think about God? And uh, when somebody says something that I really dislike, what do I think about God? What does God think about them? Right. 
And so training our mind to think about those things and the more that we do that um, is helpful. The more we listen to voices that train our minds to despise people and to be afraid and to be angry, the more we listen to those voices, the more we're going to just naturally do that. Yeah, absolutely, because that's what we're going to be thinking about. And how we think really does affect how we see, how we hear, how we speak, how we feel, um, how we respond, and how we react to things. Um, it, it, I, I don't think we give enough attention to be perfect, especially as Christians, because we focus so much on what Christians do. Mm-hmm. We're, su- we're supposed to do certain things as Christians, right? We have commandments. We do those commandments. And yet the reality is, if you look at the very first commandment, it says... I am the Lord your God. That That's not really something we do. That's something that we believe and that we think about. I think it was Martin Luther who said, if you follow the first two commandments, you follow all of them. But the first two commandments are, are about how we think about God mm-hmm. and then how we think about our neighbors and how we think about ourselves and how that all ties in together and what that looks like and, and how we live that out. Yeah. So let, let me echo this back. If... Uh, we are going to devote ourselves and submit our minds to Christ, then we want to dedicate our minds to know him. We want to be dedicated to thinking truly and even by rightly thinking about our neighbor. And number three, we want to not be satisfied with only having a mental knowledge of God, but we want that to impact our whole beings and and how we treat people. I, I often think about um, George Washington Carver, who had this wide-eyed wonder of our creator, and everything he saw. He could spend his days walking through the forest, looking at the flowers, but always thinking about how did God make this? How did God design that? God has given us a beautiful gift in our mind, and so nourish it. It's part of who we are, and it impacts everything about us. Absolutely, and as, a, as an encouraging note to end on, I think, um, what God thinks about you is more true than what you think about yourself. Oh, man, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, the last thing I would just add is if you feel like some of your thoughts are broken sometimes, it, it is not a bad thing to ask for help. There should yeah. be no stigma attached to that. And uh, godly people want to help you. And Christians are not people who have it all together. They just know the one who holds everything together. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. We hope this has been helpful. We'll jump in next week and talk about uh, giving a little soul check to our bodies. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we hope that you'll nourish uh, your mind. If you have a chance, leave a review, share our our podcast with others. You can go to brianjenningsblog.com and let us know what things you would like us to cover and tell us how awful we are. I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise and some positive reviews too. Some positive reviews. (laughs) Bye. Blessings.